The ACBE Forum, Volume 59, December 2020, Number 6. Published by the American Council of the Blind. Read by Nancy Gahagan in the recording studio of the Perkins Library. Be a part of ACB. The American Council of the Blind, trademark, is a membership organization made up of more than 70 state and special interest affiliates. To join, contact the National Office at 1-800-424-8666. Contribute to our work. Those much-needed contributions, which are tax-deductible, can be sent to Attention Treasurer, ACB 6200 Shingle Creek Parkway, Suite 155, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, 55430. If you wish to remember a relative or friend, the National Office has printed cards available for this purpose. Consider including a gift to ACB in your last will and testament. If your wishes are complex, call the National Office. To make a contribution to ACB by the Combined Federal Campaign, use this number, 11155. Check in with ACB. For the latest in legislative and governmental news, Call the Washington Connection 24-7 at 1-800-424-8666 or read it online. Listen to ACB reports by downloading the MP3 file from www.acb.org or call 518-906-1820 and choose option 8. Tune into ACB Radio at www.acbradio.org or by calling 518-906-1820. Learn more about us at www.acb.org. Follow us on Twitter at ACB National or like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash A-M-E-R-I-C-A-N C-O-U-N-C-I-L-O-F-T-H-E-B-L-I-N-D-O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L. Copyright 2020, American Council of the Blind. Eric Bridges, Executive Director, Sharon Lovering, Editor. 1703 North Beauregard Street, Suite 420, Alexandria, Virginia, 22311. Table of Contents. President's Message, Happy Holidays, What We Are Thankful For This Year, by Dan Spoon. Celebrating 10 Years of the CVAA. Senator Markey celebrates 10-year anniversary of 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act. We're Going Virtual, Again, by Janet Dickelman. Benefits of Audio Description and Education Contest, Beatty. Young People Who Are Blind Write Reviews of Film and Video. Up, Up and Away. Apply to become a 2021 recipient of the DKM First Timers Award by Kenneth Semyon Sr. Meetings of the ACB Board of Directors, August 27, 2020 and October 13, 2020. A summary by Penny Reader. It's a Mini Mall Holiday by Carla Rushevel. Flexibility, Initiative, and Collaboration. Why and How Are These Qualities Necessary? By Arturo Espinoza. Qualifying for Social Security Disability with Vision Loss. By Cindy Moliere. Assistive Technology for Safe Cooking. By Beth Baki Stenagem. 
Retaining and Reactivating Members, compiled by Artis Bazin. Affiliate News. Here and There, edited by Cynthia G. Hawkins. Chaplain's Corner, by Timothy H. Burdick. Are you moving? Do you want to change your subscription? Contact Sharon Lovering in the ACB National Office, 1-800-424-8666, or via email, s-l-o-v-e-r-i-n-g at acb.org. Give her the information and she'll make the changes for you. Keep up with the most important ACB news and announcements without any other chatter. Subscribe to the ACB Announce Listserv. Send a blank email to ANNOUNCE hyphen SUBSCRIBE at ACBLISTS.org or visit www.acblists.org slash MAILMAN slash LISTINFO slash ANNOUNCE and type your email address and name where indicated. Looking to stream your affiliates convention? Go to www.acbradio.org slash A-F-F-I-L-I-A-T-E hyphen R-E-Q-U-E-S-T and fill out the form at least six weeks in advance of the event. ACB Radio Interactive and The Cafe have merged to bring you the best from both streams. Check it out at www.acbradio.org slash C-A-F-E. President's Message Happy Holidays! What We Are Thankful For This Year by Dan Spoon Happy Holidays to all of our ACB family. We hope you are having a wonderful holiday season. This is a difficult year for Leslie and me. We have been married for 23 lovely years. Each year since our marriage, we travel across country to Las Vegas to visit Leslie's family for the holidays. It's a very special time. Leslie's family has experienced lots of loss over the years. She has lost her dad and her three older sisters, so the holidays are really important to us. We have a chance to remember the ones we have lost and count our blessings with her 88-year-old mother, Betty, and visit with her brother, Darren, and our sister-in-law, Taryn. We have a chance to catch up with our brother-in-law, Dale, who was married to Leslie's older sister, Anita, who passed in 2013. Our niece, Jessica, is doing well adjusting to the loss of her mother, and we are very proud of how well she is doing with her real estate career. Jessica's husband, Chad, is an EMT. He has been on the front line of the COVID-19 virus since March. He works in the emergency room at a local hospital and spends lots of time in isolation rooms with patients. They live each day with a level of fear, but they are working hard to continue to lead a safe and productive life. There are lots of walks, bike rides, and outdoor grilling events. They all work hard to make sure that Betty stays safe by helping her with her groceries, errands, and maintenance around the house. Betty is still sharp as a tack, but she has some underlying health conditions, and we all want to make sure she stays safe and healthy. I share this family background with you not because our family is unique, but because it is so much like your own families. We had to make a difficult decision this holiday season. Do we make the cross-country trip to see our family? Leslie has not seen her mother in over a year, and she is really wanting to give her a big hug. 
We love the decorations and holiday music in the casinos. We love going to holiday movies. We love the memories of her dad and sisters. We play games and get caught up on each other's lives. Chad and I have a few beers on the front porch and solve the problems of the world. It's family. It just makes you feel good, and we all make a pact to not discuss politics. Unfortunately, this year we have had to make the hard decision to stay home for the holidays. We are worried about the long flight and exposing Betty to the virus. The casinos seem very risky, and the movie theaters are closed. We are worried about all being together in a close indoor space, and we don't want to take any unnecessary chances. Wow, what a hard time of year. Yet we are so thankful that our family is healthy. Everyone has a job and food on the table. We are already making plans for next year. We can't wait until Thanksgiving 2021. It's really important to have something to look forward to in the future. In the middle of this different holiday season, ACB has been our salvation. The community events keep our spirits up every day. It is fantastic to hear the joy in everyone's voices and laugh, sigh, and cry with our ACB family. Our organization continues to accomplish so much. There has been tremendous work done in the area of accessible voting, expansion of audio description services, and increased support services through our relationship with Be My Eyes and our countless ACB podcasts. I am so proud of what ACB has accomplished. The staff has risen to the challenge, and our member volunteers have given so much of their time, talent, and treasure. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Leslie and I wish you a wonderful holiday season. Please be kind to each other and don't forget to celebrate your victories, remember those we have lost, and be thankful for all of our blessings. Man, I can't wait until next year. Stay safe. Celebrating 10 Years of the CVAA Washington, October 7, 2020 The American Council of the Blind celebrates on this day the advocates, industry, and congressional leaders who participated in the passage and signing of the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act of 2010. The CVAA, which was signed into law by President Barack Obama on October 8, 2010, remains one of the greatest legislative achievements for Americans who are blind and visually impaired in the digital age. Over the past decade, virtually every aspect of life has been impacted by the explosion of smart mobile communications, said ACB President Dan Spoon. Thanks to the CVAA, access to this smartphone revolution has been guaranteed for millions of Americans with disabilities. In addition to requiring smartphones be made accessible to consumers who are blind and visually impaired, the CVAA also created, for the first time, regulations that provide audio-described content on major broadcast and cable networks. As a further result of the law, the Federal Communications Commission, FCC, established a Disability Advisory Committee, DAC, which continues to advise the FCC on measures intended to secure greater access across our nation's telecommunications infrastructure. We commend ACB leaders, such as our Executive Director Eric Bridges, Audio Description Project Director Joel Snyder, Project Co-Chairs Kim Charlson and Carl Richardson, and the countless number of advocates who collectively helped garner major support from industry and Congress in order to create a truly bipartisan legislative victory, Spoon added.
Together, they embraced ACB's core value of collaboration, which has resulted in some of ACB's strongest relationships over the past decade. The CVAA stands as a testament to the power that comes when industry and advocates join together in a collaborative spirit. ACB looks forward to working with industry over the next decade to identify additional ways we can enhance the quality of life and inclusion for Americans with disabilities in this digital age. On Facebook Live, we welcomed leaders from our community, Congress, and the private sector who were instrumental in the passage of this landmark legislation. Our special guests included Senator Ed Markey, Democrat, Massachusetts, his former chief of staff and president of Bayer Strategic Consulting, Mark Bayer, Apple's director of federal government affairs, Tim Potterly, AER, BVI's acting executive director, and ACB first vice president, Mark Reichert, executive director of Perkins Library and ACB past president, Kim Charlson, Bay State Council of the Blind President Brian Charlson, and ACB's Executive Director Eric Bridges. Acclaimed musician Stevie Wonder created an exclusive video for our event, which you can access by visiting tinyurl.com slash y numeral 5 xur numerals 92f. We shared this video over Twitter, which was then retweeted by Apple CEO Tim Cook. To view his tweet, visit tinyurl.com slash y, numerals 442, VJYB. During the Facebook Live event, our guests reflected on the power of collaboration, the progress made over the past 10 years, and what opportunities rest just over the horizon. To access the full video of our CVAA celebration, visit tinyurl.com slash YYOOFQR, numeral 3. Senator Markey celebrates 10-year anniversary of 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act. On October 8, 2010, President Obama signed Senator Markey's landmark accessibility legislation into law. Washington, October 8, 2020. Senator Edward J. Markey, Democrat, Massachusetts, today released the following statement in honor of the 10th anniversary of the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, CVAA, landmark legislation that significantly increased accessibility for Americans with disabilities to the indispensable telecommunications and video technology tools of the 21st century. Senator Markey authored the CVAA while serving in the House of Representatives in order to address an accessibility gap created by the proliferation of modern technologies like smartphones and tablets, as well as newer services like online video, text messaging, and email. Senator Markey's law requires that smartphones, tablets, and setup boxes, as well as the universe of apps, devices, and services, are designed with accessibility in the first place, not added sometime after the fact. The CVAA also expanded access to closed captioning and audio descriptions for video, while ensuring that everyone can receive life-saving emergency information. Until the CVAA became law, these rapidly emerging technologies and services were not governed by federal accessibility protections. Today's miracle worker is technology. The 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act has increased access for Americans with disabilities to the technological tools needed to succeed in today's interconnected world. 
the law ensures that no one is left behind ever again when it comes to emerging technologies. I have always believed that technology accessibility is about participation, and that each of us should have the ability to participate in society to the greatest extent that our talents and abilities permit. And, as our society evolves, our protections for individuals with disabilities must evolve too. Passing this revolutionary law is one of my proudest achievements. It is an extension of my commitment in Congress to the principles of opportunity, independence, and equal access for all. On the 10th anniversary of this bedrock law, I reaffirm my commitment to these fundamental principles, and I pledge to continue fighting for these timeless values in the years ahead. We're Going Virtual Again by Janet Tickleman On October 13th, ACB's Board of Directors voted unanimously to hold our 2021 convention virtually rather than in person. This decision was made with much forethought to ensure everyone's health and safety during the continuing coronavirus pandemic. It was decided not to delay this decision to give ample notice to the hotel and allow ACB to plan the best-ever virtual conference for our attendees. Convention dates are Friday, July 23rd through Friday, July 30th. Based on the results from the 2020 convention survey and many discussions with various groups, we are instituting some changes and keeping many things we initiated in 2020. Back by popular demand, we will have an audio-described virtual tour channel. We will have our virtual exhibit hall. In addition to vendor presentations, we are working on having vendor contact in real time. We will continue to stream afternoon programming, but in 2021, we should be able to stream more concurrent programs. I've been asked to work with our special interest affiliates and committees to try and spread out programming throughout the convention. This will enable attendees to attend more sessions. We are working to have video available for afternoon sessions. Based on several suggestions, we will have a Zoom hospitality room open throughout the convention for visiting and networking. As we did this year, our opening general session will be held on Sunday evening, July 25th, with morning sessions Monday through Friday. We will begin morning sessions at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. We will continue to pre-record segments such as ACB Angels, Scholarship Winners, and DKM and J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Presentations. Discussions are being held on how to conduct ACB business during our virtual convention. We are also examining ways for virtual voting to occur. Afternoon programming will begin at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 11.30 a.m. Pacific Time. Evening programming will include the auction, banquet, and the Friends in Arts Showcase. On other evenings, we will hold ACB primetime programming on topics of interest to our attendees. We will continue to read the daily newspaper each morning and host a morning welcome show prior to general session. There will also be the Connection Show immediately following General Session and a wrap-up show each evening following the primetime broadcast. Staying in touch Once again, this year the Conference and Convention Announce List will be filled with information. To subscribe to the list, send a blank email to acbconvention-subscribe at acb LISTS.org. If you received updates for the 2020 convention, you do not need to subscribe to the list. This year's holiday season will be very different with social distancing. 
Even if you can't be with family and friends, may the spirit of the season remain in your heart. I welcome your comments and suggestions as we plan our 60th ACB convention. Feel free to contact me, 651-428-5059, or via email, janet.dickelman at gmail.com. Benefits of Audio Description and Education Contest, Beatty Young People Who Are Blind Write Reviews of Film and Video The American Council of the Blind's Audio Description Project, ACB-ADP, and the Described and Captioned Media Program, DCMP, are continuing their co-sponsorship of an exciting opportunity for blind and visually impaired young people in four categories from ages 7 to 21. The Benefits of Audio Description in Education, Beatty Contest Kids Love Movies Movies, videos, and other forms of multimedia are, these days, integral to public, private, and special education curriculum. If you're a young person who can't see, or can't see well, audio description provides access to all the visual images of the movies that sighted young people enjoy. Students choose an audio-described film or video from the thousands of titles available through DCMP via streaming or on DVDs. Visit www.dcmp.org. Or a young person who is blind can borrow an audio-described video or film from a library, and thousands of audio-described films and videos are available via streaming services. You can visit the ACB ADP's website at www.acb.org slash adp slash dvds dot html for lists of DVDs and films with audio description. Reviews can be submitted in writing, in braille, or via an audio recording. Register for the contest at www.listening.is L-E-A-R-N-I-N-G dot org slash B-A-D-I-E dot H-T-M-L. Entries can also be submitted via email or postal mail. Submissions from outside the United States are fine, too. ACB-DCMP, Benefits of Audio Description in Education, 1703 North Beauregard Street, Suite 420, Alexandria, Virginia, 22311 USA. Email jsnyder at acb.org. Phone 202-467-5083. Deadline for entries, Friday, January 22, 2021. Contest winners in each category will be chosen by February 19, 2021, and the grand prize winner will receive an iPad Mini. Each first-place winner will receive a $100 iTunes gift card. Second-place winners will receive a $50 iTunes gift card. And third-place winners will receive a $25 iTunes gift card. Each supporting teacher who has a first-place winning student will be awarded a $100 Amazon gift card. Up, up, and away. Apply to become a 2020 recipient of the DKM First-Timers Award by Kenneth Semyon Sr. Come along with us on a new leadership journey as we take things higher in 2021. 
we're making exciting plans to join in solidarity to celebrate together throughout the 60th annual ACB Conference and Convention in a virtual setting. If you are an ACB member who has never attended an in-person ACB convention and you meet the criteria below, we invite you to elevate your commitment and participate in ACB's primary leadership development program. Continue reading to get the scoop on how to apply to be considered. To be eligible for consideration, each applicant must meet specific requirements, which include being age 18 or older, blind or visually impaired, an ACB member in good standing, current on membership dues, and never having attended a previous in-person ACB National Conference and Convention. Another step of eligibility for applicants will be the expectation of undergoing a 30-minute interview with a team of DKM committee members during mid-April. In addition, two letters must be submitted for each applicant, a letter of application from the interested member and a letter of recommendation from a state or special interest affiliate president. Applicants are encouraged to be sure that they meet the award criteria before requesting that their affiliate president write and submit a letter of recommendation on their behalf. The letter of application should begin with the complete name, physical address, email address containing the applicant's name, along with a home and cell number. Then introduce yourself to the committee and include reasons for applying for the award, a brief summary of education and experience related to your community service, contributions to the respective affiliate and or chapter, and the significance of the first-timer's award to your personal or career development. The letter of recommendation should include the applicant's leadership contributions and potential. During 2021, the DKM First Timers Program and ACB will honor recipients by funding the general registration fee, leadership institute, reception, banquet tickets, and other activities determined by the committee and ACB Board of Directors. Optional tours and other fun activities are not covered by the program. The responsibilities of each recipient include, but are not limited to, attending the full week of conference and convention activities from Friday, July 23 through Friday, July 30, participating in daily general sessions, the keys to the convention seminar, along with special interest and committee seminars, while interacting with ACB leaders and fellow members. The application and supporting letter should be submitted separately. The applicant submits his or her letter of application. The affiliate president submits his or her letter of recommendation to Kelly Gask, K-G-A-S-Q-U-E, at acb.org, and must be received in the ACB National Office no later than April 5th. Incomplete applications will not be considered. The DKM committee will select the 2021 first-timers during the latter part of April. Eligible applicants will be notified shortly thereafter. The selection process will conclude with two recipients being awarded as DKM first-timers, one from east and one from west of the Mississippi River. The DKM committee reserves the right to recognize two recipients from the east or west if there are no qualified applicants from one of the specified areas. All questions should be sent to DKM Chair Kenneth Semyon Sr., semien.k at att.net, or phone. 409-866-5838. We look forward to offering support to every applicant in an effort to ensure a rewarding experience. Meetings of the ACB Board of Directors, August 27, 2020, and October 13, 2020, a summary. 
by Penny Reader. August 27, 2020. President Dan Spoon called the meeting to order at 8.02 p.m. Eastern Time. ACB Secretary Denise Colley called the roll and all board members were present, as well as a number of invited guests representing various ACB committees and ACB staff members. The agenda, which had been distributed to the board via email, was approved unanimously. A first order of business was the ACB Mission Moment, a feature of each board meeting which celebrates people who personify the core principles which guide ACB. To recognize the many contributions made by Burl Colley during his years of service to ACB as a member and officer in the Washington Council of the Blind Affiliate, an ACB board member for eight years, an enthusiastic tour director during several ACB conventions, chairman of the History Committee, a member of the Resource Development Committee, and an active proponent of leadership training at the state and national levels, the board enthusiastically approved a motion to name ACB's leadership training program the Burl Colley Leadership Training Institute. David Trott captured the feeling of the board when he said, This is the most appropriate thing we can do to honor a member who contributed so much to ACB and all of the new people who will benefit from the work of the Institute. President Dan Spoon opened his report by commenting on many ways our virtual conference and convention represented the amazing spirit of our ACB family. Our 2020 conference and convention provided a wonderful experience for more than 1,600 people who registered to attend. There were five separate channels broadcasting continuously over ACB radio for eight days. Volunteers who facilitated the Zoom presentations made it possible for us to involve attendees in more than 250 hours of presentations. An unanticipated but welcome result of our successful national convention is that so many of our state affiliates are now planning and hosting virtual conventions of their own. Recognizing that the COVID-19 pandemic is unlikely to have ended by the time we host our annual leadership meetings, usually held in February, Spoon made a motion to make these meetings virtual. Speaking in favor of the proposal, Executive Director Eric Bridges said, if the world landscape won't change significantly, then we have to adapt ourselves in order to protect the health and well-being of our members. Discussion was animated as board members considered new possibilities for advocating in innovative ways, for example, holding meetings with representatives in local districts or with staff members for legislative committees that are considering specific pieces of legislation, hosting legislative seminars at different times, and expanding the number of people whom we can involve in our advocacy efforts. The motion carried unanimously. President Spoon thanked Ron Brooks for his excellent chairmanship of the Advocacy Steering Committee and announced that Jeff Tom will serve as the new chairman. Jeff and Clark Rockfall, ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, will now begin planning the February leadership meetings. Jeff encourages ACB members to send their ideas for these meetings to him and Clark. Ray Campbell reported on formation of the Resolutions Ad Hoc Committee, which he chairs. The goal of the committee is to review the process by which resolutions are submitted, debated, shared with members, and voted upon. Ray said that the committee has invited four new members to join them in their deliberations, with the goal of involving new voices in their discussion. He expects the committee to begin their deliberations shortly after Labor Day. The committee plans to make a presentation regarding their recommendations during the leadership meetings. Kenneth Semyon Sr., chair of the DKM First Timers Committee, 
asked the board to approve that committee's recommended changes in policies regarding ACB first-timers and J.P. Morgan Chase award winners' participation at ACB virtual conventions. The committee's requested policy changes, which will permit the committee to sponsor award winners who have attended virtual conventions, to attend in-person conventions as well, were approved unanimously. Bridges noted that many aspects of our virtual convention have led to the thoroughly positive outcome of generating renewed interest in and attracting new members to ACB. Members, old and new, appreciated their real-time access to convention presentations on ACB radio channels and via Alexa Skills and Zoom meetings, and our podcasts, as well as the coverage on YouTube, all of which have generated renewed excitement about ACB and our special interest affiliates and attracted involvement of blind and visually impaired people who might never have been able to attend an in-person convention. In addition, our community calls and the new ACB Community Facebook group continue to attract new members and generate increasingly meaningful involvement from people who are becoming more actively engaged in ACB. ACB has reached out to its advisory board to solicit their advice regarding expanding the roles of not only ACB Radio, but all of ACB's media as well. The ACB Radio Steering Committee will also be further defining this focus on ACB media. ACB's email list for subscribers wishing to receive the daily schedule of community calls, which launched in May, already had more than 1,000 subscribers as of the date of this board meeting and the Facebook ACB Community Group, which launched in June, had more than 1,000 members as well. ACB members continue to step up to assist with facilitating Zoom community calls, and Alexa's expanding skills are bringing in even more listeners. Since March, there have been 902 community calls and more than 30,000 participants. Cindy Hollis invited members of the board to become more involved in the community calls and events. Cindy announced the addition of an intern, who will be able to assist her with community calls and events 25 hours each week through November. The internship is being funded by the state of California, where Natalia Nat Ratcliffe is a university student. Clark Rockfall shared several items with the board, including telling them how Apple's recruitment of blind musicians for the Apple TV show C stemmed from a question Claire had asked at a conference she and Clark attended last fall. Clark said that the advocacy staff has been extremely active on the accessible voting front, and an increasing number of ACB state affiliates have achieved success in obtaining accessible ballots for blind voters who are opting to vote by mail. Dan added that in some cases, newly passed legislation will also permit increased curbside assistance at in-person polling places. Clark and Claire are planning to increase their focus on providing voting education and information to our members. The advocacy staff has also been working to persuade the FCC to expand the number of broadcast areas designated for requiring audio description. After initially opposing the FCC's proposed expansion of broadcast areas to 10, the National Association of Broadcasters, NAB, withdrew their opposition, although they have continued to advocate for a longer delay in implementation. Clark said that ACB affiliates' comments on the FCC notice of proposed rulemaking NPRM, have been very helpful in making this audio description expansion a reality. Clark recently received word indicating that the National Association of Broadcasters, NAB, will drop their opposition to the expansion and will no longer insist on delaying implementation. 
Clark and Kim Charlson reported progress in persuading the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences to make availability of audio description a requirement for considering movies as nominees for Academy Awards. Kim read aloud a letter which David Rubin, president of the Academy, had sent to ACB that outlined this change, along with other efforts to improve the Academy's attention to diversity on screen and hiring people with disabilities, and with respect to connecting with audiences. He also announced the Academy's intention to add audio description to an increased number of older movies. Clark described ACB's expanded interactions with Achilles Track Club and the U.S. Association of Blind Athletes, USABA. This work will lead to enhanced accessibility and improved opportunities for people who are blind who wish to participate in diverse exercise and sporting activities and competitive athletic events. Tony Stevens, ACB's Director of Development, reported that ACB surpassed its convention-related fundraising goals in every area. The auction brought in 20% more money than in 2019. Individual sponsorships yielded over $17,000, up from $13,000 from the 2019 conference and convention. The Braille Forum raffle brought in significantly more funds, and even corporate sponsorships were increased significantly despite the pandemic. ACB is benefiting from advice from the major donors committee, especially with respect to the direct mail and online fundraising campaigns. We are developing new ways of identifying donors and targeting grant funding opportunities. Recently, Tony met with Gibney Family Foundation and is pleased to report that ACB is advancing our engagement with that foundation. Chief Financial Officer Nancy Marks Becker reported that the Minneapolis office's move to new space across the street from their original location had gone well. The intranet was initially down for almost a week, but the office was able to cope with the inconvenience. Office staff members are enjoying the increased efficiency that the new office configuration promotes. David Trott, ACB Treasurer, congratulated Nancy and staff for their excellent work keeping board spending in line with budget categories. Deb Cook-Lewis, chair of the Board of Publications, reported that the board and the Public Awareness Steering Committee are evaluating ACB's email lists with the goal of consolidating email communications, reducing duplication, and assuring that all of our communications adhere to ACB's core values. Deb said that the last time ACB considered its email lists was in 2013. She encouraged board members to attend the next Board of Publications meeting, scheduled for September 1. After the BOP approves any proposed changes, it will prepare a report for submission at the November board meeting. Deb told the board that Bob Hache has resigned as moderator of several ACB lists because of his serious illness, and Deb and several board members gratefully acknowledged Bob's many years of outstanding service in this role. Doug Powell, chair of the Rehabilitation Issues Task Force, had submitted the group's comprehensive white paper on the state of rehabilitation services for people who are blind to the board via email in advance of the meeting. Doug said that the task force expects to work with Clark and hopes to start conversations with partner organizations and with legislators so as to prepare for the next anticipated update of the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, WIOA, WIOA. The board unanimously endorsed the work of the task force and thanked them for preparing the white paper. Peggy Garrett, chair of the ACB Multicultural Affairs Committee, MCAC, submitted the committee's request for a small increase in their annual budget of $1,000 to hire a facilitator to expand diversity within ACB, including in the organization's leadership, 
to attract and mentor more ethnically and racially diverse ACB members, and to provide education emphasizing the benefits of a culturally diverse membership. The MCAC anticipates hosting two two-hour educational sessions and following up with activities and education to recruit, mentor, and further involve more culturally diverse members within ACB. Their preliminary plans are to hold a joint session in October in collaboration with the ACB membership call and to host another session at the leadership meetings. They would like to work with Jane Dunham, who has more than 50 years of experience working in the field of diversity training, as well as with people with disabilities. The board approved increasing the budgetary line item for the MCAC by $1,000 and agreed that ACB needs to begin collecting data via our membership database to tell us exactly where we are in terms of the diversity of our membership. Gabriel Griffith, Resolutions Committee Chair, and several members of the Resolutions Committee presented 11 proposed resolutions. Discussion of each followed, and the board approved and prioritized 10 of the proposed resolutions. The 2020 resolution summaries were published in the November issue. The meeting adjourned at 1.43 a.m. Eastern Time on August 28, 2020. October 13, 2020. President Dan Spoon called the October 13 meeting to order at 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time. All board members were present, as well as a number of ACB staff members and several guests. The board approved the meeting agenda as submitted and the draft minutes from the July 3 pre-convention board meeting. During this meeting's mission moment, Spoon and the board congratulated Sharon Lovering for her many contributions to the success and efficiency of the American Council of the Blind. President Spoon said, Sharon is a person who, working quietly behind the scenes, represents ACB so well. ACB receives over 1,500 telephone calls each month, he continued, and Sharon answers or redirects most of these calls. She records each daily schedule of community calls, and those phone boxes receive between 200 and 300 hits every week. Board members shared their many positive appraisals of Sharon's work and their gratitude. Next, Kelly Gask and Tony Stevens discussed the annual report, which had been shared with board members via the email discussion list in advance of the meeting. Read the 2019 annual report at tinyurl.com slash y numeral 6 omvvca. Tony said that 2019 was a year of building a more solid foundation for ACB. It was a year that began with some very significant challenges. Our annual report reflects those difficulties and ACB's success in weathering those storms and coming out stronger on the other side. The report is laid out in a unique, foldable format, which is appealing to print readers who can enjoy the tactile and visual experience of reading the printed report. Equally important, Tony said, is that the report is completely accessible. Achieving this level of accessibility was a significant challenge for Kelly and Tony, and they are proud of the completely accessible result. Nancy Marks Becker and Janet Dickelman summarized their exploration of lessons that were learned from this year's first-of-its-kind virtual convention. A facilitator assisted the convention committee's exploration and review, and their core takeaways included these. The 2020 convention represented a significant increase in attendance and an expanded and successful use of technology. The entire convention was streamed, and staff and volunteers worked tirelessly together to present a considerably expanded number and diversity of program sessions. 
The convention steering committee has already begun to hold weekly meetings to assure that future conventions will be equally, or even more, engaging and inclusive. ACB anticipates that future conventions will always provide a virtual component to accommodate people who, for whatever reason, cannot travel to participate with us in person. Tony Stevens and Rick Morin followed Janet and Nancy's convention lessons wrap-up by sharing highlights from the convention survey which 2020 convention attendees completed. ACB received 637 responses, three times as many responses as in prior years. There were 1,400 positive comments and 850 suggestions. Janet noted that 100 survey respondents completed their surveys on the phone with staff and volunteers from the Minneapolis ACB office. She thanked those people who assisted on the phone lines and expressed appreciation for the more comprehensive survey results which were achieved. Some of the interesting data which the completed surveys revealed included the following. 35% of respondents who attended the convention have some vision. 5% were fully sighted. People in both of these groups were extremely appreciative of the video which we were able to provide along with audio convention presentations. A difficulty which many convention attendees reported involved confusion about what was taking place when and where and how to find specific events. Several respondents reported liking the crowd compass, which another blindness organization utilized, to inform their convention attendees about what was taking place and where and how to access specific events. ACB is considering implementing a similar strategy for future conventions. Other desires expressed by respondents included a wish by many to talk with exhibitors, and Janet said that the committee is investigating strategies to make this possible next summer. A much higher percentage of attendees attended our general sessions than has been the case in in-person conventions in prior years. Rick said, This year, lots of people attended general session, and lots of people liked it. Another important takeaway is that many respondents said that in future years they want the ability to conduct ACB business and to vote. Dan noted that several ACB affiliates are already doing this, and it appears that the D.C. not-for-profit code does have provisions that can make this an acceptable option for the national organization. Rick said that ACB will continue to mine the survey results for other kinds of data. Analysis of the results will continue to yield interesting data which will be useful for a more in-depth understanding of our members and affiliates and making plans for future conferences and events. A primary goal of the October 13 board meeting was to reach a decision about the 2021 ACB convention in light of the ongoing coronavirus pandemic and our expectations for the coming year with respect to restrictions associated with the public health crisis. When the convention subcommittee met at the end of August, their recommendation, reached unanimously, was to hold the 2021 convention as a virtual event. Nancy explained that we have a contract with the Hyatt in Phoenix involving a large commitment for purchasing rooms as well as food and drink. Our attorneys will require us to sign a contract waiver before they can give us any legal advice about negotiating with the hotel. Janet and Nancy expressed some optimism that we can call upon the same arguments we utilized with respect to canceling our 2020 commitment to the hotel in Schaumburg, but there are no guarantees regarding the hotel's receptivity to our justifications for cancellation. Dan and Mark Reichert pointed out that there might well be value in terms of offering future business to Hyatt hotels that are seeking business in future anticipated convention locations. 
After hearing the recommendations from the Convention Steering Committee and summarized results from the post-convention survey, each board member had a chance to express their thoughts on the recommendation to make our 2021 conference and convention a virtual event. The board unanimously decided that our 2021 convention will be virtual. The motion also incorporated the desire for ACB to work toward an in-person convention in Omaha in 2022. Additionally, the steering committee will work with Hyatt Corporate to find properties that could serve as future convention venues as a way to soften the negotiations. Every board member said that our first priority for making any decision must be the safety and well-being of our members. Dan thanked each member of the board for their thoughtful deliberations and discussion. He pointed out the advantages associated with having made this decision right now, relieving the convention steering committee from significant stress, and giving us an opportunity to plan more comprehensively than was possible this year, when we weren't able to reach a similar decision until the end of March. Dan continued, All of us want to exercise our democratic process at next summer's convention. Therefore, he said, he had asked Pat Sheehan to chair an ad hoc committee to look at ways ACB can virtually conduct our business at next summer's convention. The committee's membership will be announced at the November 13 board meeting, and he expects the committee to present a recommendation for conducting ACB business at the 2021 virtual convention during the leadership meetings in February. Ray Campbell reported that he has nearly finished recruiting members for the resolution's ad hoc committee. They plan to host a community call to solicit ideas from ACB members on reforming the resolutions process and then to present recommendations to the board at the next scheduled board meeting. The board approved a motion to permit the CFO to access up to a designated amount of reserved dollars in the unlikely event that ACB will need to tap these funds before the end of the fiscal year. Nancy said that consideration of ACB's current financial status leads her to believe that such an eventuality is, in fact, very unlikely. The October 13 board meeting concluded with an executive session at which the board unanimously adopted one motion. The meeting adjourned at 12.15 a.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday, October 14. It's a Mini Mall Holiday by Carla Rushevel. Shop at the Mini Mall this holiday season. We have gifts and stocking stuffers for everyone on your list. You'll find ACB masks in a wide range of colors, an easy-to-operate sound spa for the person who has trouble sleeping, and a blood pressure wrist monitor with a large print digital display. Techies will enjoy ACB wireless earbuds, Bluetooth speakers, and five-port charging towers. Six- and ten-foot charging cables for Android or Apple devices, the ever-popular SD card organizers, and pouches to keep flash drives neat and organized are perfect practical gifts. Keep warm with a water-resistant, micro-fleece-lined ACB jacket or our new ACB blanket. Shop our clearance aisle for men's fleece jackets and polos for men and women. Sizes and colors are very limited. T-shirts are always in style. Choose official or full-color convention shirts from 2020 or past years. For the person who's always on the go, select a roomy ACB tote that says Path to the Future an awesome ACB backpack or duffel bag, a buckle briefcase messenger-style bag, or a terrific tablet bag embroidered with the ACB logo. Choose a genuine leather ladies' ACB crossbody designer purse or a leather-look deluxe executive pad folio. A new cane is always a practical gift. Even more gift ideas include beautiful Path to the Future coffee mugs, 
latte mugs, and keepsake boxes. ACB stemless stainless steel wine tumblers and wooden-look copper water bottles, and big ACB 30-ounce tumblers that keep beverages hot or cold all day. Last-minute stocking stuffers include ACB luggage tags, ACB phone stands that double as a stress reliever, mirror and snake cube puzzles, and ACB fidget cubes and tangle puzzles. Grab an eyeglass cleaning kit or an ACB manicure kit before they're all gone. Place an order or request a Braille or large print catalog by calling 1-877-630-7190 or email mall at acb.org. Keep up with new products, sales, and end-of-the-year specials. Join the mini-mall email list by sending a blank message to mall-sub-scribe at acblists.org. Flexibility, Initiative, and Collaboration Why and How Are These Qualities Necessary? By Arturo Espinoza In writing this piece, I know that the effects of what seems to be an ongoing shutdown have affected many people in adverse ways. However, when one considers those individuals who are currently in nursing homes and those who are blind or have other physical and mental challenges to deal with, there is the added stressor of often having to depend on others for various kinds of help, whether it's about taking care of certain household tasks, going to the grocery store, or getting to one's medical appointments. And then there are those people who don't even have close family or friends that they can count on. Not since the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918, during which millions died, have the people of this country, and many others worldwide, been forced to live in relative isolation due to the current lockdown. And while many states have opened many businesses, California is still one of those states in which countless small businesses have been ruined or have had to remain closed. In fact, even as I write these words, those color-coded tier phases that are allowing gyms, hair salons, and restaurants to open seem to be spotty at best. But where do qualities like flexibility, initiative, and collaboration fit, especially for those citizens who are blind or physically limited and shut in during these frightening, perplexing, and uncertain times? First, I don't think it's far-fetched for me to argue that qualities like flexibility, initiative, and collaboration are three vital components which connect our attitudes and ultimately our state of health and well-being. With this in mind, one can then presume that it is not unrealistic to view choice as being the linchpin that indisputably binds these qualities together. But in what way, one might ask? I think that if we are honest with ourselves, it's not unreasonable or unrealistic to presume that most people have free will to decide many things. For instance, most of us can choose to be ruled by fear and other negative emotions or not, live where we want, pursue careers, marry or stay single, wear what we want, worship, work or not, eat food that we like, and so on. So when viewed in this light, Flexibility is necessary because without being flexible, we would be incapable of making decisions that otherwise bring change and growth to our lives. In turn, without initiative, it would be impossible to take whatever steps we might need to take in order to change or leave less than satisfying situations. And without collaboration, we as individuals, communities, and society would be unable to work together to achieve any goals or objectives in a constructive and meaningful manner. 
Thus, with these points in mind, I would encourage those of you who are feeling like prisoners of the current lockdown to be as flexible as possible, so that whatever unexpected changes come along may be handled with some semblance of tranquility and acceptance. I would also urge you to take the initiative, and instead of being ruled by fear and fake news, to exercise common sense. Step outside for some sun and fresh air so that your immune system has a chance to do what it was meant to do. Naturally give you some vitamin D2 and D3, as well as fighting off the effects of this insidious virus. Make a concerted effort to reach out to loved ones, care providers, friends and support groups, and or any religious groups so that vital human connections can be maintained. And if available, do your best to network with other people by phone, FaceTime, Skype, Zoom, or even by regular mail to find out if there are any members of your community who might have interests or projects that you can collaborate on. These may be the best of times in which to recognize that after all is said and done, we are not islands unto ourselves, but rather the members of one race, the human race. Qualifying for Social Security Disability with Vision Loss by Cindy Moliere If your vision loss has progressed to a point where you're no longer able to work, financial assistance may be available to you. The Social Security Administration, SSA, offers monthly financial aid to people in need. While vision loss won't always automatically qualify, thousands of people are eligible for benefits that can help pay for medical bills, assistive technology, housing modifications, credit card bills, and any other daily living needs. Medically Qualifying for Benefits The SSA maintains its own guide of medical criteria needed for disability approval, known colloquially as the Blue Book. There are three listings for vision loss in the Blue Book. 1. Your vision is 2200 or worse. 2. The widest angle you can see around a single fixed point is no more than 20 degrees, or you have an MD score of 22 decibels or greater, or you have a visual efficiency percentage of 20 or less. 3. You have a visual impairment value of 1.00 or greater. The Blue Book was written for medical professionals, so it's completely understandable if you have no idea whether you qualify after skimming the Blue Book. The entire resource is available online, as are thorough details on how the SSA calculates your MD score, your visual efficiency percentage, and your visual impairment value. You can review the listings with your doctor to determine if you qualify. Best Eye and After Best Correction it's important to note that you must be legally blind or have severe vision impairments in your best eye. This means that people who are blind in one eye, or who are even missing one eye, will likely not qualify for disability benefits unless they have a job that can't be modified to suit single-eyed vision, such as policemen or pilots. You'll also need to prove that you've attempted to correct your vision through the use of glasses, contacts, or potentially surgery, although that's not required but still do not have good vision. Starting your application. The easiest way to apply for disability benefits is on the SSA's website. The SSA site is optimized for electronic readers and other assistive devices, but if you prefer, you can always ask someone to apply on your behalf. You can also call the SSA toll-free at 1-800-772-1213 if you'd rather have a representative help you with the application process. 
From there, you can schedule an appointment to apply at your closest Social Security office. Resources American Council of the Blind www.acb.org SSA's website www.ssa.gov SSA Vision Loss Blue Book Listings www.ssa.gov slash disability slash professionals slash blue book slash numeral two dot zero zero dash spe cial sen ses and speech dash adult dot htm dash two underscore zero two qualifying with vision loss tinyurl.com slash y numeral six kk QEOA SSA office locations tinyurl.com slash y numeral four zj numeral four br numeral five SSA's online application https colon slash slash secure dot ssa dot gov slash i C-L-A-I-M slash D-I-B. Assistive Technology for Safe Cooking by Beth Baki Stenagem. Reprinted from ND Assistive. tinyurl.com slash Y numeral 2 E-O-Y-S-E numeral 5. According to the National Fire Protection Association, ranges or cooktops account for almost two-thirds of home cooking fire incidents, and unattended equipment is a factor in one-third of reported home cooking fires and half of associated deaths. What should you do if you or your loved one leaves food on the stove unattended, which could be the cause of a house fire? First and foremost, the advice is to stay in the kitchen when you are cooking. But we have all had that random phone call or need to attend to something outside of the kitchen, which takes us away from what we are cooking. Sometimes we forget to turn off the stove when we are done cooking. There are several devices available that can prevent that lapse of memory from turning into a tragedy. Burner Alert These are thin plastic discs that attach behind the burner knobs to continually remind you that the burners or oven is on. They are pretty inexpensive compared to the other options below. The beeping alarm sounds at 3 minutes, 9 minutes, 15 minutes, and then every 15 minutes to alert you that the stove is still on. Burner Alert is available on Amazon. Fire Avert This device plugs into the wall, and then you plug your stove into the Fire Avert plug-in. There are two models, one for a 3-prong plug-in and one for a 4-prong plug-in. You then pair the device with your smoke detector, and it will shut off the stove when the smoke detector goes off. You can reset the device by flipping the breaker. There is not an app for a smartphone. This just works with the smoke detector in your home. Wallflower Stove Monitor This device is also a plug-in between your wall and the stove plug-in. There are also two models, one for a three-prong plug-in and one for a four-prong plug-in. You download the app for this on your smartphone, and it will tell you when the oven is turned on, 
if it has been left on, and can even monitor more than one stove. You need Wi-Fi in the home for this to work. StoveGuard Basically, this model is a motion sensor. There are two parts to the model. There is the plug-in that goes between the stove plug-in and the wall, compatible with three or four-prong plug-ins, and the motion sensor sits on the back of the stove. This device defaults to five minutes, so if it doesn't detect motion in front of the stove, it will beep and then shut off the stove. This time can be adjusted to anywhere from 30 seconds to 99 minutes. Home Sensor There isn't much info on this one, but I called the company and spoke with the inventor. Lee and his wife own and operate the company, and he told me all about the thought and study that went into this device. This device is another motion detector that will show a green light when the stove is off, a yellow light when the stove is on. If left unattended for six minutes, the device will blink red and will make a beeping sound like a microwave. After eight minutes, the stove power shuts off automatically. All a person has to do to reset the stove is turn the knob off. This product only works on electric stoves. iGuard Stove This also uses a motion sensor and will contact loved ones remotely through an app on your smartphone. There are different models of the iGuard for a gas stove, a cooktop, and an electric stove with three or four prong plug-ins. This requires Wi-Fi in your home. This device will shut off the stove if no motion is detected after five minutes. The motion detector will also show a caregiver through the app when the stove is turned on or off and when there is any motion in the kitchen. There is a great YouTube video describing the features. View it at tinyurl.com slash y numeral 3 efhj e numeral 6. Conclusion These are a few of the safety devices for the prevention of cooking fires. If you have questions about these or other devices that could help someone who is experiencing forgetfulness and who wants to stay as independent as possible, please call North Dakota Assistive at 1-800-895-4728 and ask to speak with a consultant. Retaining and Reactivating Members Compiled by Artis Bazin, ACB Membership Chair Affiliates should have a process for renewing past and current members. Dues renewal time is an excellent time to contact past members, current members, and potential members, those you have met at some time in the community. In order to contact members and past members, it is essential for someone to have a good database of members for your organization. The more information the affiliate has, the better off it will be. Each chapter and affiliate should collect the names, email addresses, mailing addresses, phone numbers, and preferred format for sending publications. Each year, the person in charge of the database needs to check the data when calls, emails, and mailing notices are sent. The database should keep past members' information as well as blind friends and friends of the affiliate's contact information. Members who do not renew should be coded with a note as to why they have dropped. Some elements to consider for a renewal reactivating plan are 1. Remind chapters to collect members' dues. 2. If chapter members do not renew with the chapter, contact them as at-large members. Sometimes a chapter member can no longer attend the chapter meetings or have had a disagreement with a member but still want to support or keep in touch with the state or special interest affiliate or just receive newsletters. 3. 
For at-large members, send letters to current and past members. In the letter, tell the readers about the organization's past successes and remind them of key benefits of the organization. Give them the ways they can submit dues and or donations. 4. Offer an incentive for those paying dues before a specific date, such as January 1. 5. Give another incentive, such as an entry into a prize drawing for those paying dues early. 6. Make it easier for members by sending a pre-addressed envelope for returning dues and possible donation. It helps to send the letter in the member's preferred format, Braille, large print, or email. 7. Give free memberships to those joining for the first time or scholarship winners as well as other students. 8. Make phone calls and send follow-up emails to individuals who have not responded with dues payments. 9. Have a dues payment option on convention registration forms for at-large members or for reactivating members who haven't been paying dues for a while. 10. Send ongoing invitations via email about upcoming meetings, focus calls and conferences and conventions to keep them aware of your affiliate happenings. 11. If you have a chapter or affiliate phone tree, make contact with those without email so they remember what you have to offer. 12. As you continue to contact previous members, you might ask why they haven't renewed. You might be able to give reasons they should consider rejoining. Affiliate News RSVA, Registered Trademark, Sagebrush 2021 Conference Announcement Mark your calendar and spread the word. The Sagebrush National BEP Training Conference will be held February 15-18, to 18, and it will be virtual. This year's theme is Virtually Back to the Future. Registration forms are now available, www.randolph-sheppard.org. You'll have the opportunity to earn continuing education units with a number of our various sessions. There will also be a special 40th anniversary networking event via Zoom. Stay tuned to the RSVA website listed below for further information. To be eligible to win door prizes and participate in all sessions via Zoom, be sure to register. All sessions will be streamed and recorded for listening on ACB Radio worldwide during and after the conference. If you register by January 1, 2021, you'll save money. All those completing a registration with payment for the conference on the Sagebrush Conference Registration link at www.randolph-sheppard.org by January 1 will have their name entered into a drawing for free registration for the 2022 event. The winner from the 2020 Sagebrush Conference was Brunetta Schlechter from Las Vegas. Got something to donate to the auction? Contact Karen Blakovitz via email, k-a-r-e-n-a-b-l-a-c-h-o-w-i-c-z at gmail.com and ccrsva at randolph-sheppard.org about donations. For more information, contact Dan Sippel, 715-828-9088. SIPPL at charter.net, Artis Bazin, 818 238 9321, 
A-B-A-Z-Y-N-C-O-M-M-U-N-I-C-A-T-I-O-N-S dot com or RSVA at RandolphShepard.org. CCLVI Shigert Scholarships The Council of Citizens with Low Vision International, CCLVI, an affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, annually awards three scholarships in the amount of $3,000 each to full-time college students, an incoming freshman, an undergraduate, and a graduate student, all of whom must be low vision, maintain a strong GPA, and be involved in school or local community activities. Application materials must be received by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on March 15, 2021. Scholarship monies will be awarded for the 2021-2022 academic year. To access the guidelines, application, and vision certification form, visit www.cclvi.org and click on the Shigert Scholarship link. Applications will be available to complete and submit online from January 1, 2021 to the March 15 deadline. Minnesota Convention in January Come one, come all. Join the American Council of the Blind of Minnesota, ACBM, for our 2021 state convention. Convention dates are Friday, January 22nd through Sunday, January 24th. Convention registration is just $15. By registering, you'll be eligible for door prizes and receive an electronic copy of our convention program, which will include Zoom links to join the convention and interact with our vendors. To register, go to www.acbminnesota.org or call Jennifer Dubbin at 651-312-1435. The convention will begin with a virtual exhibit hall Friday afternoon. Then there will be a presentation from the Minnesota Historical Society focusing on prohibition, gangsters, and caves, followed by an audio-described play titled Operation Immigration. On Saturday, join us and learn how to become an advocate. We'll also get updates from the Minnesota Library and State Services for the Blind. Join us for a roundtable discussion featuring blind authors, a presentation on self-driving cars, learn about the importance of balance, including a balanced class, enjoy a presentation from an Emmy-nominated blind film composer, and hear from ACB President Dan Spoon. Saturday night's big feature is the auction. There will be plenty of goodies to bid on. Here and There, edited by Cynthia G. Hawkins. The announcement of products and services in this column does not represent an endorsement by the American Council of the Blind, its officers, or staff. Listings are free of charge for the benefit of our readers. The ACBE Forum cannot be held responsible for the reliability of the products and services mentioned. To submit items for this column, send a message to SLOVERING at ACB.org or phone the National Office at 1-800-424-8666 and leave a message in Sharon Lovering's mailbox. Information must be received at least two months ahead of publication date. Touch of Genius Prize The deadline to apply for National Braille Press's Touch of Genius Prize for Innovation is January 15, 2021. The Touch of Genius Prize was developed to inspire entrepreneurs, educators, or inventors to continue the promotion of Braille and tactile literacy for blind and deafblind people worldwide. 
This prize can be granted for innovative and accessible computer software applications, tactile hardware, or curriculum that promotes Braille and or tactile literacy. MBP encourages all applicants to think outside the box to what can be used to help improve the lives of blind people. The winner of this prize will receive up to $10,000, which will help them to continue to innovate in the fields of technology and education for blind people. The Gibney Family Foundation helped fund and establish this award in 2007, inspiring people to go beyond what was thought possible. For information and full application details, visit www.tohuchgeniusprize.org. All questions can be directed to tmcbride at nbp.org. Developing New Treatment for Stargardt Revision Therapeutics, Incorporated recently signed an exclusive license agreement with Cornell University for the development and commercialization of Cornell's proprietary technology for the treatment of Stargardt disease, a genetic disorder that affects central vision. The treatment, REV100, is designed to bind and clear a toxic lipid called lipofuscin that leads to cell death and retinal degeneration. There are no other known products in development that remove accumulated lipofuscin in this way, and no other approved treatment for Stargardt's disease. Accessibility Enhancements for HBO Max In a landmark agreement, Warner Media will provide audio description on at least 1,500 hours of new and existing programming on HBO Max by the end of March 2021, increasing to 3,000 hours by the end of March 2022 and doubling again to at least 6,000 hours in total by the end of March 2023. In addition, over the next year, accessibility of the HBO Max website, mobile applications, and TV apps will be improved for individuals using screen reading software. For more information, go to www.acb.org slash hbo dash Social Security Benefits Increase for 2021 In 2021, both Social Security and Supplemental Security Income, SSI, benefits for approximately 70 million Americans will increase 1.3% as a cost-of-living adjustment, COLA. For more information, visit www.socialsecurity.gov slash cola. National Leadership Program Respectability's National Leadership Program trains college seniors and graduate students committed to disability issues and planning to seek related careers. The organization seeks creative, results-driven individuals who want to achieve breakthrough results while receiving practical experience. This fellowship is for seniors in college and graduate students, as well as graduates and those in the early stages of their careers. It is also for people with disabilities who have lost their jobs during the COVID-19 pandemic and currently are seeking new opportunities. Applications are now being accepted for the winter 2021 session. The program is entirely virtual and can be done from anywhere in the United States. For more information and to apply, please visit tinyurl.com yd numerals 56 qlg numeral 9. FCC announces 2020 award winners. 
The FCC recently announced the 2020 winners of the Chairman's Awards for Advancements in Accessibility, Chairman's AAA. This program, which began in 2011, is focused on improving access to telecommunications and technology for people with disabilities. Those being honored this year are national thought leaders who sustained excellence throughout their careers has served to advance the cause of accessibility. The 2020 winners are Karen Peltz Strauss, advocate and a long-serving public servant at the FCC. Claude L. Stout, advocate and executive director at TDI, and Tom Lakowski, advocate and innovator who increased access to video programming, internet, broadband, and connected technologies. New from National Braille Press. National Braille Press has a set of 10 Braille and print holiday cards available. The front has the words, May this new year be the gift that brings us all together, in print and Braille, with an illustration. Inside reads, Wishing you hope, health, and happiness, in print and Braille. Also available are sets of 2019's cards, Slay the Season, and 2017's cards, Warm Winter Wishes. Looking for small gifts to ship, perhaps with a card? Check out NBP's variety of print Braille magnets and other gifts at tinyurl.com slash y numeral 2 f numeral 3 sv numerals 6 3. Sayings on the magnets include, you are perfect to me. We ought to be opening a bottle of wine. You rock. And friends are the family you choose for yourself, among many others. New in the technology section are the Microsoft PowerPoint 2019 Keystroke Compendium, along with an updated version of the Microsoft Outlook 2019 Keystroke Compendium. And if you're new to the Android phone, you'll want to take a look at Android Commands and Settings, a reference guide for eyes-free users, by Ana Garza, and Getting Started with Android, by Ana Garza and J.J. Meta. Chaplain's Corner by Timothy H. Burdick. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, NLT. Some people say that faith is a leap in the dark. But instead of this, the Christmas story presents faith as stepping into the light. So let's look at this wonderful story from a different perspective and explore three of its key points. Collaboration is the first, and it is a huge part of the Christmas story. But we often stop there, and that's what bothers me the most. You might be surprised to know that the manger wasn't the beginning of the life of Jesus. The Bible tells us that he had existed with his father long before his earthly birth. If it wasn't for this collaboration with his Father and the Spirit, his sacrificial death and resurrection for you and me would have never taken place. Any Christmas gifts we receive, therefore, should symbolically point to the eternal gift which he gave each of us. While you may not believe in this collaboration initially, it's important that you ask God to reveal himself to you. I challenge you, my friend, to find out for yourself what Christmas is all about. Next, the Christmas story shouts out the word flexibility. Man was going his own way, but God made a provision so that our fellowship could be restored with him. Because God sent his son, we all know the security of walking with him. The final key point is initiative. If it weren't for the initiative God's son took by obeying his father, there wouldn't even be a Christmas story. 
God leaves you with a choice then. You may choose to see Christmas as just another holiday and live with the emptiness that comes once the festivities are over, or you can seek the light of the world first and allow him to give your Christmas new meaning every year. God bless you, and thank you for reading The Chaplain's Corner. If you'd like, check out the Visions of Love podcast on audioboom.com or in the Apple Podcasts app. Our website is www.mynvm.com, and our business is New Vision Ministries of Arizona. If you have questions, comments, or prayer requests for Timothy or Stephanie Burdick, please call 507-369-6861. ACB Officers President Dan Spoon, First Term, 2021 3924 Lake Mirage Boulevard, Orlando, Florida, 32817-1554. First Vice President, Mark Reichert, First Term 2021. 1515 Jefferson Davis Highway, Apartment 622, Arlington, Virginia, 22202-3309. Second Vice President, Ray Campbell. First term, 2021. 460 Rain Tree Court, number 3K, Glen Ellen, Illinois, 60137. Secretary, Denise Colley. First term, 2021. 1401 Northwest Lane, Southeast, Lacey, Washington, 98503. Treasurer, David Trott. Second term, 2021. 1018 East Street South, Talladega, Alabama, 35160. Immediate Past President, Kim Charlson, 57 Grandview Avenue, Watertown, Massachusetts, 02472. ACB Board of Directors. Jeff Bishop, Kirkland, Washington, First Term, 2021. Donna Brown, Romney, West Virginia, Partial Term, 2021. Sarah Conrad, Madison, Wisconsin, second term, 2021. Dan Dillon, Hermitage, Tennessee, first term, 2021. Katie Frederick, Worthington, Ohio, second term, 2022. James Crott, Miami, Florida, first term, 2022. Doug Powell, Falls Church, Virginia, first term, 2021. Patrick Sheehan, Silver Spring, Maryland, second term, 2022. Michael Talley, Hueytown, Alabama, first term, 2022. Jeff Tom, Sacramento, California, first term, 2022. ACB Board of Publications. Debbie Lewis, Chair, Clarkston, Washington, second term, 2021. Paul Edwards, Miami, Florida, second term, 2021. Zelda Gebhard, Edgeley, North Dakota, partial term, 2021. Susan Glass, Saratoga, California, second term, 2021. Penny Reeder, Montgomery Village, Maryland, first term, 2021. Accessing your ACB Braille and eForums. The ACB eForum may be accessed by email on the ACB website via download from the webpage in Word, plain text, or Braille-ready file, or by phone at 518-906-1820.
To subscribe to the email version, visit the ACB email lists page at www.acb.org. The ACB Braille Forum is available by mail in Braille, large print, NLS-style digital cartridge, and via email. It is also available to read or download from ACB's webpage and by phone, 518-906-1820. Subscribe to the podcast versions from your second-generation Victor Reader stream or from https colon slash slash p-i-n-e-c-a-s-t dot com slash f-e-e-d slash a-c-b dash b-r-a-i-l-l-e dash f-o-r-u-m dash a-n-d dash e dash f-o-r-u-m